Go. Streaming from South Africa to the world. To the world. This is the Stonks Go Moon podcast. What just happened? We break it down so you don't have to. Welcome everyone to the Stonks Go Moon podcast. My guest today, Rick Jordan. He is the CEO and founder of Reach Out Technologies. Welcome to the pod. What's shaking? Dude, you have the coolest name. Rick Jordan is... When I think Rick Jordan and I didn't know what you look like, I just saw superhero. I saw American superhero flashing before my eyes. And I, I guess that's sort of... You, you could be a modern day American superhero specializing in you know, cybersecurity because kind of that is the superpower right now, isn't it? Dude, it's, it is. Yeah, it's really funny. I was speaking at an event and when I was telling everybody what I do, you know, like like my day job, you know, they're like, oh, you're kind of like James Bond. I'm like, well, I do have an Aston Martin. So <laughs> if we go that way, yep. All right. I'll, I'll take the superheroes, James Bond, right on. Just live with a tag. Um, the biggest tech company, I guess, emerging tech company these days, ByteDance, um, more famously known from the app called TikTok. Um, it seems just engulf, it's engulfing everything. It's it's encroaching on Google's like ad space. It's, it's, it's encroaching on Microsoft. My question to you is around the security concerns of TikTok. And I know there's been a lot of said, but what is what is your personal opinion on that subject coming from that the cybersecurity background? Yeah, brother, I'll drop some knowledge here real quick in a very human way, if that's cool. <laughs> and it's a, it's a, I, I mean, I, yes, I, I know that I'm brilliant in the cybersecurity space, but I'm also a, a regular dude too. Yeah. Uh, so when I look at something like this, and I mean, you're in South Africa, I'm in the United States. ByteDance is a Chinese company. Oh. And I, I've been on global media talking about this too, is there's a difference between security and privacy. Because okay. security is the ability for somebody from the outside to get in, right? But then privacy is what the people inside are going to do with the information they have of you. Okay. So there's a difference between those two. And when it comes to privacy with ByteDance or TikTok, there's pretty much none. And, and that's what we've seen because there's been, you know, if you want to call them whistleblowers, but it's more than media reports that now we have confirmation that ByteDance has colluded with the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, to mm -hmm. provide data, especially on first world countries like, like the United States, the UK, pretty much any anybody NATO. Right. Yeah. So this is way more than just cybersecurity and, and, and privacy. It's it's become more political, and it's not a it's not something. I I have a profile on TikTok. I just post stuff up there, you know. But it's nothing that is very. It's the same stuff that's really on my Instagram account, you know. And it's just to get more content out there. I don't have ads on there. I'm still trying to dance with the platform a little bit. But I have friends who, you know, in two weeks, who are creatives that will just throw up like a golf channel yes. and all of a sudden have thirty one thousand followers. Yeah, wow. and it's okay. But they're also content producers. They are. They're like me to where it's a one-way push. It's not like a glimpse into my life and I yes. don't have any revealing personal information yes. on TikTok either. That's the biggest key, right? Because I don't have my mobile 
number listed on there. So they don't have that information. I have the app not trackable on my phone whenever I go into there. That there's ways to do that. With iOS, it's fairly simple. As soon as you open is up the app, the first a, thing yeah, you I tap, was about to ask is there a setting. Is there a setting that you can do? There sure is on iPhones. Yeah. Androids, okay. they're starting to come along. Samsung is helping with that a little bit. I mean, Samsung is a great company. They're a South Korean company. Very much a friend of the the NATO countries in the world from a political aspect. They're all for it, of course, for privacy and security. It, right. It concerns me a bit because I'm curious as to where this is going to go. Yes. And what kind of data the Chinese government has access to through ByteDance. And yes. that's something I know back with the, whether you liked them or not, with the Trump administration, that administration sounded the alarm on this a few mm -hmm. years ago in the United States and tried to completely ban TikTok from the U.S. unless a U.S. company acquired them. And for a while, Microsoft was actually in the running to try to acquire TikTok, at least for the United States. And that just kind of fell through when the election happened. So mm -hmm. I would like to see something like that. I think... From a premise, it's a cool platform, man. It's a, there's a lot of people that jump on there, and it's interesting to me too because whereas Instagram's demographics are like younger, right? Like my mm -hmm. average following on Instagram yes. is like between 18 and 30 years old. Yes. I'm seeing a lot of demographics with TikTok that are actually like 40s and 50s. <laughs> it's yeah, it's interesting. It's like no. some older people that are getting getting on there. Yeah, absolutely. But you touched on politics, right? And the previous Trump administration. They yeah. banned Huawei for links to CCP. But yeah, you got it. Okay. So my question is, why not ban TikTok as well or ByteDance from America outright? Is it purely this um, the Democrats that are currently in, in power? And would well, you said the Republicans tried as well. I'm just curious about the sort of dynamic. Why? What is good for the goose is good for the gander. Why ban Huawei and sort of be lenient toward ByteDance? Yeah, it, it. I think this was. It was a political scenario as to why this was not banned. However, I don't think it was just politics related to ByteDance. I think it was more so just the timing. And I can say this from firsthand experience because just prior to the the election and the change in administration in the United States, I was in the White House yeah. in the West Wing consulting the previous administration on cybersecurity with border control. And, and I'm talking AI base, right, for human mm. trafficking. Okay. So I was there wow. and we were able to get, get around $300 million pushed across and approved as part of the billion dollar AI defense bill for the U.S., and this was something that was ready to roll. However, this was also in 2020, yeah. right at the beginning of the pandemic, really right in the thick of it. So this is where I'm talking about timing. And while at that point, it was like, you know what, this is a great political move from a perspective of we're going to stick it to China because we're going <laughs> to prove that they're sending all these kids, right, and selling these kids in the U.S., you know, uh -huh. a, a, amongst other countries, of course, too, because yes. it's not just China that yes. the child trafficking sor is sourced through. Wow. In the process of that, though, it was around October-ish that that's when the vaccine really started becoming mostly the priority, at least from a political landscape in the United States. Yes. Then it became uh, former President Trump's Operation Warp Speed, and that became the political play in order to really you know, help America, yes, but also to win re-election. Yeah, and then when he didn't, so all of the so bite dance, you know, the human trafficking stuff, 
Huawei, all of these things kind of got shoved to the side on the political stage because we were in the middle of a pandemic and the vaccine is what people were crying out for. That's why the, I mean, in, in essence, I guess you could say that the administration at the time or the politicians started pushing towards the vaccine because that's really what was on the top of the Americans' minds, which are the voters' minds. Yes. You know, they weren't really thinking anymore so much about ByteDance or Huawei or, any, yeah, or no, security no. or privacy. No. They were influences thinking, thinking were, I don't want to die. No, yeah. Well, basically, influences, we recognize that influence have very little value when the fate of the human kind is at stake. Um, you got you, it. You, yeah. you, you, so do you think midterms coming up, depending on what happens in midterms, I guess, do you think this is something that's going to escalate again? Sort of where, I would say COVID is away or it, the pandemic is over, but you get what I'm saying is, it's like, is there a renewed appetite to take this on again? There could be, and there's a couple of reasons why, you know, that it's cool how this turned into more of a political landscape discussion. I like these kinds of discussions. Is it you're starting to see reports come out now uh, about the same election, the 2020 election, on how there was control of information from the Democratic Party on how they worked with social media even throughout the pandemic to yes. control certain types of information. Yes. And that, that's coming out. And it's just fact, right? It's third party reports. It's not conspiracy. Time, it's, so it's not conspiracy anymore. It's fact. Exactly. It's, it's fact. You got it. Before Congress. Yeah. Yes. So <clears> we'll <throat> see. I mean, we're still. We're still two months away, you know, and it, it's so volatile, you know, a lot can happen in two months in a political landscape. More stories can come out on either side, mm -hmm. you know, more, more things can, can have light shed on them. So we'll have to see, but I do know that this is becoming more of a hot topic at this point. However, there's still a lot of other crazy things going on. You know, for instance, the, the Chinese and Taiwanese conflict that they have right now. Yes. You know, it's, it's not to where obviously where Russia and Ukraine is. It's mm -hmm. not at that point yet. However, the, we're starting to see some of the same banter back and forth between the United States and China, just like there was banter between the United States and Russia before they invaded Ukraine. You know, it's the same kind of military posturing that, mm -hmm. that's taking place, you know, just to say, Hey, we're going to conduct these exercises. Of course, we have always had a great relationship with with the Taiwanese, just from a manufacturing perspective, from a from a freedom perspective. You know, they they're good friends. <laughs> they're, yeah. I, I believe they're called a non NATO major ally because I, if I remember right, they are not a member of NATO quite yet. But it's something yes. that, that they've been invited into, and all the countries have said we would love to have you. They just haven't pursued it yet. So right yes. now they are a non NATO major ally, and obviously they're right across the strait from one of our, if you want to call it mortal enemies, you know, <laughs> or for one of our frenemies that we have, which would be China. And I say frenemies because they carry a lot of our debt. Yes. Let's just be real. China yes. carries a lot of the United States debt. They carry a lot of the world's debt. And they also produce a lot of electronics for the entire world, <laughs> a lot of products period for the entire world. It's kind of a weird landscape, man. So when you get into TikTok, it's like, how far do you want to push? with something like this. But that's the thing that people don't realize is that tech is political. It's not if you're every time you're opening up an app, if it's Facebook, if it's Instagram, if it's WhatsApp, you're literally partaking in the political landscape. Um, we've had all these sort of um, reports from Facebook, um, or Meta, should I say, whatever you, you want to call it, yeah. of bots creating just accounts for the pure purpose of riling people up 
or to affect a certain, you know, uh, viewpoint in terms of how you want to vote. So all so tech at the moment is very political. It sure is. Yeah, it, it represents almost on the surface a lot of the struggles between different nation states in the world. So if you are, I mean, I I don't know anyone that doesn't partake on a daily basis in social media. I. I've yet to to meet them. I think we all, in some shape, way, or form, we do it. Um, how would you suggest that we actually protect ourselves against? I mean, you mentioned not giving out your email and not, you know, giving out your personal details. I think that's sort of security one on one. But is is there anything else that we can do? Yeah, there's a lot of. There's a lot of social engineering attacks. It's what we call them on social media to where accounts can be taken over. And then those accounts will be used to go after new friends or send messages, you know, say things like, Hey, I'm stuck in, you know, if it's the United States, I'm stuck in this state. Can you send me some money real quick? <laughs> yeah. And then it's a, or I'm stuck in this other country. Can you send me some money? But obviously it's a, if it's in the U S there's different States, it's easier to go from state to state Yes. from that security perspective. And this is literally security, like not allowing yes. people from the outside to get into what you have, make sure that you, I mean, this is security one-on-one, but you'd be surprised at how many don't do this, man. Mm. I mean, things like two factor authentication to where you have to, you sign in with your password, but then you also have to have an authenticator app. Or even as simple as a text message sent with a secondary code every time you log into Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, whatever those are. You know, or there's even things to, you know, I do like TikTok from this aspect of it that, and I think Facebook does this now too, is where you can sign in with Google. Yes. You know, and Google, of course, is, uh, but that single sign-on helps mm -hmm. because they would have to compromise your Google account, which you should have two-factor authentication on. If you don't right now on your Gmail, turn that on, but then at least you have one thing that can kind of go across the board for all these others. So they really cannot get into your TikTok. They really cannot get into your Twitter account unless they have access to your Gmail accounts, which should be locked down beyond lockdown. That cloning of influencer accounts and trying to get, you know, to scam people, that's really on the rise. That's sort of reaching oh, yeah. epic proportions because what happened to me is, and like, I mean, I'm nowhere near an influencer, right? But someone cloned my Twitter account or the SGM podcast, and then they sort of <clears throat> went after people and said, oh, if you want to appear on this, we're going to have this person on before you, whatever, just yep. pay this fee and then oh, we'll book yeah. you on the show. And someone reached out and said, listen, this is and it looked legitimate like from they even had some of my content on there it's it's like this isn't hey do you want to buy bitcoin oh, scam sure. the, these are like professional people now yep i just went and looked right now to see if uh i, I still have one fake account that's active at any given point there's like three to five and the the crazy thing with me is that i see on my accounts when i get these cloned accounts that are fake Yes. Because yeah, uh, I mean, my Instagram account's a little over 300,000 followers. I've got good engagement. When I see this, some of these go a long time and they'll get a couple thousand followers Yes. on there because it's almost, a, they'll say like, Hey, this is my new account, right? My old one got hacked or something like that when it really didn't. It's yes. just that's social engineering. 
Yes. You're making up a story that is believable and then people follow it. So then at that point they can DM these individuals who were following me on my, on my real accounts. And now they're following this fake account, which is somebody that's looking to take advantage of them. Where do you think the sophistication comes from? Because someone must, somewhere there's a cell or cells or someone that, that are teaching them to how to do this. Where do you think it comes from? Oh, this is business, man. This is yeah. big business. These are typically not individuals. There are yeah. some, because there, there's difference. Uh, we call them threat actors okay. right, in, in our industry. And then there's threat actor profiles. Yes. Profiles is just kind of like a bucket that they fall into. One would be nation states, you know, which would be like the China, Russia, uh, you know, United States. Uh, those are nation states, right? Okay. Their motivations are geopolitical. Uh, so each of these types of actor threat actor profiles have different motives to them. It, one is a hacktivist, which means I have a belief, you know, it's almost like a, a real life protester, but yes. they hack into accounts to try to accomplish some sort of moral belief that they have and get that put out to the world. An example like that would be anonymous, right? The hacking group anonymous. Yes. They're, they're in the hacktivist area because they're, they're always trying to release, you know, encrypted information or redacted information and get all these things out to the world. They've done that here and there. You know, they even went after Russia, you know, and it, uh, were hacking Russia actively because they felt that what was happening with the Ukraine was was wrong. You know, I was asked on uh, on major media, they're like, are they our friends? And I'm like, well, it's kind of <laughs> like the the enemy it's, of my enemy is my friend right now right now, yeah that's a <laughs> yeah, dangerous just, that's a dangerous game to play um it is but then there, there's those that are the profiles that are yes. that are big business it's just e-crime groups so when you ask how are they trained yes it's the same as any other corporation man there's rooms full of these people and they have procedures to follow uh, and they're producing dollars for an organization it's just like any other business with a business owner that probably has a family and kids and this is how they put food on their table and provide for their lifestyle i know that's, that's... i always show this on stage i show like a family from sri lanka i'm sorry sri lanka right because i'm a great <laughs> photo i'm like we like, sure like, look good at people this. good people we show sure they're all very good people but yeah yeah i show this family i'm like this is what they look like yeah, I'm like, it's, a, I have no idea. I got it off of Google somewhere, right? It's just a spam. <laughs> I'm like, this is it. It's like, if you ever watch the show Narcos on, uh, yeah, on yeah, Netflix, yeah. Yeah. right? I mean, that's a good depiction. It's like, look at the relationship of Pablo Escobar and his kids and his wife. That's the same as his family that I put up on screen when I'm talking on stage. This is what they look like. They're not in some dark room with the hood on, you know, the, the, yeah. this is what it is. It's yeah. real people making a real living off of taking advantage of other people. Yet there's a disassociation because they never see those people. It's strictly business. Yeah, I think that's a very good point that you bring up there. It's because social media has brought this disassociation between people. It's I can say anything to you and I can do anything to you online and there's no repercussions. Whereas I would not in the real life walk up to you and say, you know, hey, you retard or whatever because you would punch me in the face so i so you say so you think that's a major driving factor it's that dissociation association of okay but i don't know that person so you got it wow. you got it uh, how long is your show usually? We're having fun. Uh, did we go over time? Or are we still cranking? <laughs> no, Rick, before, I talk a lot, bro. <laughs> before I let you leave, I know you're a busy man. 
uh, one, it was a one scenario where Richard Technologies has um, sort of intercepted a massive, you know, attack before the company even knew about it and saved it money. Yeah, well, there, there's one that I I can think of that come the first one, anyways, that comes to the top of my head. It was uh, I I always typically remember these numbers exactly. I can remember girlfriend's phone numbers from 25 <laughs> years ago, right? So there, there's something that's like numbers stick in my head. But <laughs> this was a eight one five four six nine one zero four four. I mean, go ahead, dial it. You know, I don't know who <laughs> whose it is now, but I remember this phone number. Anyways, it, it was a uh, two hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars is what this one was and we caught it because there was some weird communications going back and forth and we our our technology is a combination of ai uh monitoring and then also real human beings that take yes. a look at these things because the ai can catch stuff quicker but then it's a human that can actually determine if it's real or not you yeah. know so the the ai looks for patterns and then humans bring the judgment mm. uh, that's really how it comes down to when it comes to any cybersecurity. Uh, this $258,000, we saw some emails going back and forth with a slightly modified domain of our clients, meaning they turned like yes, in yes, their, yes. in their domain name was the word ice. And they turned the I in the domain name to an L it was like LCE.com. Mm, mm, mm. And that was starting, we monitored this back and forth. And then we saw that there was a request that was sent out and one of their people was about to make a wire transfer. Because it made it look like it was coming from the owner inside saying, I need you to pay this vendor. Here's the wire information. And we stopped it within about two minutes, you know, which was fantastic. And there's other controls that are in place too that exist, you know, because other real life controls like don't send a wire or have your bank put a threshold, you know, maybe $10,000 if you're a business. That way, no wire transfers can go out without a secondary approval after wow. $10,000, you know. But prior to that, we caught it and we said, timeouts, don't do anything because this is somebody that's fake. And then it became an education point. You know, it's like, look at this right here. Look at the domain. We were notified of it. Then we had a human being resolve it, called them within three minutes. And they were like, oh my God, thank you. For real, yeah. it's $258,000. There's been it. other chances. We've recovered funds too when they have been taken, you know, like a couple million. We've recovered half of that before. You know, so working with the Secret Service and the FBI is a, it, it's it gets kind of fun, but also, uh, wow, that's. I'm sounds, wondering when it's yeah. going to end. You but know, that sounds and like the answer is that it's sounds not. like a podcast for another time. That sounds like a true crime podcast. Uh, Rick, right on. Thank you so much for joining me. If the listeners want to go and connect with you, learn more about Reach Out Technologies, where can they do that? Just follow me on Instagram at Mr. Rick Jordan, or search me on LinkedIn if you want real cybersecurity info and we'll drop all the links in the comments thank you so much for joining me today to the listeners peace love and prosperity and we'll catch you in the next one cheers <laughs>